Hey, we're back. Today we're going to talk about how you can keep your house a little bit cooler in all this summer heat that's going on right now. This is AC, the AC part of HVAC. HVAC. We'll be on back right after Mighty this. House. On Mighty House, right after this. I come to save the day. The Mighty House crew is on the job. This is Mighty House. All right, here we go. We are ready, and uh, we're going to bring John in because Rich and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. So we're not really professionals in the HVAC world. I think we could talk a good game, but we figured yes. we'd bring in a professional right now. So we've got yes. John right, right in this. Right there. There he is. There's John. Right. He's from Effective Air. And uh, you've been in the business, what, two, three years, John? Yeah, uh, how about um, 37 years? <laughs> there you go. So John's our professional. We're bringing him in to talk AC and uh, air conditioning. So real quick, how does air conditioning work? I mean, I, I know I'm cool inside right now, but why am I cool and how's that working? Well, basically, that your air conditioning system is removing heat from your house. Okay. You're removing heat and humidity from your house. The okay. unit outside, without getting terribly technical, is a, is a pump. Right. Pumps refrigerant into an indoor unit, whether it's a window unit or whether it's a whole house unit or a mini split, um, the, that's why it's cold, is it's pumping refrigerant through it. At that time, then it, it's actually removing the heat and humidity. People think about adding cooling, that's not what's happening. Then the heat gets transferred to outside. Okay. Then it's a very simple process. And the humidity condenses on the coil and drips out the drain. Exactly. Yes. So this is the cooling side. This is the part that's inside your house. And then here's the outside part, the compressor, that it's exhausting the heat, compressing it back to cold again and sending it back in. Yep. It's a, it's a very simple process, but it takes a lot of energy to do that. Got it. Got it. And um, there's, there's a bunch of different refrigerants, too, that, that we won't bother get into. If you want to know all that stuff, you can, you can give John a call or drop him an email. So... Uh, the, the basic system here, if you just had an apartment and you wanted to try and cool the house down or cool your apartment yeah. down, you could just throw in a window unit. And that works the same as the larger ones? It does. It works, it works very well. The only problem is, of course, they're noisy. Yeah. They let bugs and birds and stuff like that in it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, occasionally uh, window shakers for a reason. Yeah. And they shake out of, the, out of the window and fall on the floor or somebody down below. Outside, yeah. Well, and a big problem is a lot of them are 220 volts, and you typically don't have a 220 outlet right there. Yeah, that's so right. That's half the battle. Yeah, so you have to have a, a, an electrician come in and wire that. Right. Or the 110-volt units that you plug in, but they still might be pulling 15 amps, 20 amps, still popping circuits all the time. So uh, yeah. you still might need a dedicated circuit even if you do 110. Right. Or, or one in each room as opposed to a whole house system. Correct. Right. But, and, and these are usually good. Do you know how, how many square feet one of those little units are, are good for? Oh, they're all, all different sizes. I mean, you, you, there's a little chart when you go buy them. Okay. A little chart how big your room is, and, and it's, uh, it's quite a bit oversized. But that's okay, you know, when it comes to window units. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different uh, window units now that have remote controls and things like that that are they're quite a bit better than they used to be. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So, uh, not to get crazy again, yeah. but... Do window units come with SEER ratings, or are they f sort of one size fits all? No, they do. They they have, uh, you know, I don't, to tell you, to be honest with you, I don't remember if it's a SEER rating or if it's a 
efficiency rating much like an appliance. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit different than a whole house system. Okay. Actually, it gives me something to go look into because it's just I've not shopped for one, but it's right. a, a legitimate question. Well, a lot of times I, I live in an apartment. So I'll figure so that out and I'll put notes at the end of this video. Yeah. So if you guys subscribe and hit the oh, yeah, thing and you know when to get a new one, then, you know, yeah, go back, read the comments and I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. Right. Turn your mic on there. Uh, yeah. So. I live in an apartment and they measure them by BTUs is, is when I go and, and shop for them. Okay. Because you know, yeah. with those so units, the BTU, they only last but you can so convert long. BTUs to tons, but it still doesn't tell you its efficiency. That's right. what the SEER rating, seasonal energy efficiency rating. So, see, told you we'd get off the rails. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so what's our next picture here? We got <laughs> there. Okay, the portable units, and these just roll around. And I've seen these before. I've never seen any of them work. So, do these really work, or, or are these worth not worth the money? They actually do work. And uh, as a matter of fact, when our guys are uh, when our installers are working in an attic we have a couple of these portable units to help help keep them cool oh really so but the problem is that is it's bringing in it's it's uh, uh it's exhausting a tremendous amount of air from your house and so it's that's got to come in somewhere and so the the it's throwing that heat outside much like you know the picture that you had right um it, it's that that's all being produced inside that little cabinet and then it has to get rid of the heat somehow so um, some of the less expensive ones, all they do is take room air and pass it across that hot coil and expel it. And so that means that your room is now it's got to bring in air from somewhere got to, it. to do. That. So um, anyway, it's, that's not terribly efficient. Some of the more expensive ones have a pipe in that brings in air from the outside, cools the unit, and then blows it back out again. Um, at the same time, some of those units blow the condensate out with it as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, some of the more expensive units. Um, and then in large commercial situations, we put these in uh, in computer rooms years ago when the main system would fail. We'd have these large large units that would uh, would suffice for um, air conditioning until the system was fixed. Like an emergency Maybe. backup system. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and then what do we got next? Now, this is what everybody's used to seeing on the side of the house. Uh, with with, sure. with weeds all growing through it, the vines over the top of it, <laughs> right? Isn't that how? Isn't that how you find them, John? All the time, uh, uh, Rich in, in Florida, you probably find snakes uh, in, in them and, and uh, scorpions. And things. The worst thing is, is that nobody wants to see them. So as soon as you're done installing them and you get CO, yep. people plant around them. So yes, they put they bushes all right up against them. Yes, because they don't want to see it. Right. Yeah. And then they call and say the air's not cooling. There was a there was a friend of mine uh, years ago that uh, was a landscape architect, and he used to plant barberry bushes around air conditioners. And barberry bushes are those horrible thorns. Thorns, and so I would give him grief every time I would work on one of his buildings. And for, <laughs> um, but actually, a little shading is a good idea. You know, if you had a uh, if you had a an evergreen or something, and you kept it far enough away, you know, maybe a foot, two feet away. Um, and, and when the sun is beating down on it, it goes through that, um, that evergreen. That, that's a good idea. Or put them on but, the north uh, side of the house if you can. If you can, yeah. Uh, that'll help. Everything will help. And the cleaner you can get those. In our area, we have a lot of cottonwood trees. Mm -hmm. And they will clog. It looks like a wool blanket on the outside. Yeah. That, that will uh, certainly affect it. And it's really not hard to wash that off. No. Just hit it but with you just got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> you got to do it. So now so this call is... call a guide for service, but... 
so this is the part outside that's expelling all the heat, correct? Yeah. Okay, so then you yeah. have the A coil that's on the inside. Next picture there, sonar. This piece, and it, this is where the cool part is now, right? Look, that's all cold. And then if you look to the bottom of that thing, you'll see the little drain pan. Yeah. The black drain. And that's where all the moisture is going from in your house. It's all just dripping in there. Yep. And then hopefully yeah. it's not clogged and flooding the house. It's actually going down the drain. Let's well, hope. Yes. <laughs> and if you have a, a little float switch in there that shuts the system down because your drain's clogged and yeah and if you've got uh one of these units in your attic that that's probably a big issue with with the, the drains clogging and shutting the system off i would assume yeah when i first was in the business years ago um there weren't the safety controls and, and people weren't being very careful about the systems and i would get uh dozens and dozens of uh flooding Ruining, ruining people's ceilings, mm -hmm. and then um, so that any time that we work up in an attic, which is in our area, we're mostly basements. Right. But uh, right. we still have to do systems, and so we put a uh, a big pan underneath it, and then we put multiple float switches in it to right. protect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do down in Florida. Majority of your equipment goes up in the attic, and yes, that's exactly what it is. It's a pan with a float switch, and then you actually have a secondary drain on that. So your first thing is if you see it coming out of the secondary drain, that's your first red flag. Yeah. And if you don't pay attention to that, then it shuts down. Right. Yeah. And then where is this located exactly? Oh, thanks there, Sonar. Look at that. I mean, it looks like, boom. Well, that's right where that guy's putting it. Yeah. Right. The air conditioning coil, it sits right on top of your furnace. Now, a lot of times, I mean, if you can see that, it does have a little cabinet above it. Sometimes it's a sheet metal cabinet made, uh, you know, uh, it's not a factory-made cap cabinet, but again, it's this is a typical, very typical uh, furnace coil situation. Right now, if you don't, ch it, do these get clogged up too? Do you have to clean these regularly? Uh, you have to clean those because air, you know, they're like a great big air filter. Okay. And so they they will, especially when they're cold, they'll they'll trap when they're when they're wet. They'll trap the uh, all, all the dirt and debris. The the lint and so, stuff that's in the air and. So, yeah. so, and that goes back to that question or that argument we have all the time uh, trying to explain to people about air filters. So if you put in a high MERV filter, it'll keep less dust on your A-coil, but the whole system starves for air. So then, it it's, you know, you want to go with the lesser <laughs> filter, but then it allows more dust than you need your annual cleanings. So it's something to consider. It's something to consider. And the system has to be designed for that high-efficiency filter. And correct. then it'll work great. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So um, then next up, mini splits. Oh, wait, just a minute, Ron. Yeah, back, back up. to the picture of the... the um, go back, go uh, back, 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 back. Uh-oh, no, he's going to go right Eight through oil. everything again. Too fast, too fast, too fast, too fast. Oh, stop. Perfect, right there, right there, stop. Please to hold. You see, that, see that black line? The black, that's the, that's this black, the black line. black refrigerant line, yep. Yep. So that line, um, if you're having problems, one of my suggestions to customers is... To look and see if you see ice on that black line at right at the air conditioner or uh, I mean at the A coil or outside of the air conditioner. Mm -hmm. If you do, there's an issue with either airflow or or refrigerant or things like that. But it's a good thing to look at to help diagnose because this A coil can turn into a great big block of ice and it's not going <laughs> to let the air through it. And right. if my our technicians come out there to to service it uh, to take care of your your no AC situation. They can't do a thing until it melts. 
So what I tell our, our uh, clients is that if you see any of this ice on there, shove the thing down uh, and we'll be out in a couple of hours. Um, so that's, that's always a good thing to, to check before you, before you send us out, ask us to right. come out. All right. Excellent. Okay. And then a mini split. How's this work? Okay. So it's basically the same thing. So that little, that little box the outside, yep. little box is, is just like, you know, it's an outdoor unit. And then you've got your lines that run up. You see that plastic conduit? Yep. It's, it's coming up there, yep. right through there. Yep. Look at that. And then there's a, and then there's this then there's thing. a box up on the wall. This big ugly thing? Yeah. Well, you know, they're actually not that ugly. And it's one of those things that I tell people that they're going to get used to it. And yeah. after a while, they won't even notice it. We have uh, hundreds of these out in the field. And they're extremely quiet. They're extremely efficient. Uh, we have, we've done entire churches. We've done um, uh, recreation halls um, with these things because they're, they're, in, they're convenient. Um, what, you know, you think of a big church with the big open rafters and things like that. Where are you going to put your ductwork? Right. So if you put a conventional system in. Uh, so we put these in. And one of my favorite stories about uh, putting these in was the organist. You know, organists are very picky. They're, they've got really, really good ears, and they were really worried about it was going to destroy their, the their, sound of their instrument. Their, the acoustics? Yeah, and so the, uh, one of the um, organists came in one day to this one church where we had just finished working on it. She had been away on a vacation. She asked the pastor, when are they going to finish this project? I can't hear a thing. And he says, nope, they're <laughs> operating now. <laughs> and she couldn't believe it. We turned her from an enemy to a, uh, yeah, to a, to a real fan of these systems. Well, and during during the so-called pre-show, we were talking about that is how most people the biggest objection is the head unit. Yeah, and if you have a room designed properly or a house design, if you have room in the trusses, the heads can go up in there. They sure. make them where they're ducted then. Yeah. So now you can have a, a typical supply return, but the energy efficiency on these, depending on your location. It's huge. Not, it's not huge. a big fan way up north, Minnesota, yeah. whatever, but Tennessee, Kentucky, mid mid central. Yeah. Great systems. Heat yeah, and cooler yeah. all year long. So yeah. for and, every and he, you just said something heat cool all year long. So I don't know if anybody if you can remember these the, the product called a dyne event. There were a little wall furnace, noisiest, most horrible uh heaters. You'd put them in in that rec room or something like that that you added on, it doesn't have ductwork in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they came oh. 14 and a half inches wide, went right in the stud <laughs> space. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so we've replaced many of those with this unit, and, and it's been able to do both the heating and the cooling. Yeah. So do you need uh, do you need one outside unit for every head unit, or can you put well, multiple heads on one outside unit? That's a great question. There's some that will take up to about four or five indoor heads. Okay. To one outdoor unit, and so that's that's handy for the the hard wiring and things like that. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to get those uh, refrigerant lines around the house, you know, mm -hmm. with that many. So sometimes what we'll do is, if I've got four rooms to do um, on one side of the house, I mean, uh, uh, two on each side, we'll put in two outdoor units. And, got and, it. And, uh, but so. the line sets are smaller. They're like typically like a half inch and three eighths and stuff. So exactly. that's a lot easier to run through than your standard refrigerant line where. And I don't know, one's suction and one's pressure, whatever. But I know one's like an inch and the other's like three-eighths. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. 
Okay, and then uh, let's touch on some geothermal here real quick. A couple different systems there. Go ahead and run those down since you can read that there, Sonar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, run it so down. So we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go right to left. So you've got your ground vertical collector. Okay, right there. Yeah. Right here. Mm -hmm. You've got your ground looped connector. Okay. Right there. You've got some rings. Ground horizontal collector. Uh, it looks like it doesn't loop around. And yep. then we've got our pond looped co collector. Right. Excellent. So, so, so the, the, the vertical is typically what's done in our area or in the suburbs. Right. Is that you've got, you, you drill big holes, like 150, 200 feet deep, and the, they go in and, and basically are capturing the cool, um, cool, you know, the, the heat the off 50, of the, the 54 pond. degrees. The ground's always 54 yeah. degrees. So, yeah. yeah. And then the same, basically the same thing with the other three. Uh, the the um, the third one is if you're you're dig, digging a big trench and you put a bunch of tubes out there, and it's only maybe three or four or five feet deep. Mm -hmm. And then of course, if you have a pond handy, that's really great. Uh, it's a very very efficient uh, way to capture heat, or or uh, or cool. cool. But you also need a certain size pond because eventually you're just going to boil the water, wouldn't you? If, yes. If, yeah. if it was too small. Yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, the same thing happens with with uh, even deep wells. Is you if you towards the top, it may be all uh, at the end of the uh, winter, it might be all frozen. So it makes your the beginning of your air conditioning season very efficient. Yeah. But eventually, towards the end of the season, it's going to start losing its efficiency a little bit. Right. So, but you have pre-cooked fish if you do it right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. If you do it right. <laughs> okay. And what's wait for one? Yeah. One question is: What's the difference between a looped and a horizontal? I I think you just um, don't have to drill the. You don't have to drill two hundred feet down. They're all going to be looped. Basically, it's right. just based whether or not you've got the room to go horizontally. If you don't have a large yard, you go vertical. So you do deep borings and then gotcha. put in the line sets. Right. Like my neighbor, yeah, he's, he's got eight of these, eight or ten of these in his backyard of these directional bores where they went straight down. Basically, the, the two middle ones are almost the same. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. one and this one. They're basically yeah. the same deal. So, um, okay. We, you guys touched on SEER rating there in the beginning of this stuff. So yes. give us a quick Because I never on stay SEER. on topic. <laughs> <laughs> seasonal, seasonal energy efficiency. Basically, what that is, how many how many um, BTUs of heat per watt of electricity is used? So, as you can see, the minimum in Chicago area is 13 here. Rich, the minimum in in um, Florida is what? 16, I believe. Okay, and then typically anything that's over about 10 years old is probably down below 10 here. Okay. Um, so you can see that you're going to have huge savings if we can go back to that chart. It's, you've got huge uh, savings when you get above 18. Uh, I think there's some units that are up to 24 sear. Mm -hmm. um, we love the, when, when you're above uh, 18 sear, you have a new technology called inverter technology. And it's a modulating system. So if you need a little bit of cooling, it'll give you a little bit of cooling. If you need a lot of cooling, it'll give you, you know, 110% of its abilities. Um, they're extremely quiet, extremely efficient. And they're getting more and more reliable as, as the as the technology improves. Excellent. So yeah, one of the things we've realized down here is that the variable speed, especially because we are in a cooling climate, 
is, is it may run all day long, never shut off, yeah. but it runs at 15%. Yeah. The upside to that is that you have air movement throughout the house the whole day. So you don't have cold spots and warm spots. You know, you've got a nice comfortable house because the air movement all day. And it's yeah. dehumidifying all day versus all, all day. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and they, these things come in different tonnages. I, I think that's how they're right. It's a certain tonnage for the size of the unit. Um, and, you want to you, you want to make sure it's sized properly or down a little bit so that it runs a little bit longer, like what Rich was just saying there a second ago. You want to kind of get into that real quick, John? Well, so if, if I was to oversize the unit, let's say I, I, a three ton or, or thirty six thousand BTUs, is was my load was was what it takes to cool my house, and somebody comes and puts in a sixty thousand BTU or, or five ton unit, it's going to turn on and turn off. And it's not going to run for long enough to dehumidify your house. And believe it or not, it's very, we run into that all the time. Systems <laughs> yeah. are oversized. Yeah. And so we've got, they've got huge bills because this unit's on off, on off, on off. But people have to run the temperature way down below. You know, if you can get, a, get along in a 76 degree house, typically you have to run this thing down to maybe even 68 degrees to feel comfortable because it's so filled with humidity. And then you get mold build up and all kinds of stuff going on. So right. uh, that's that is a real big issue. And so it's you need to find somebody that's gonna actually design the system correctly. So it's not just the cheapest guy out there, is it's it's not like buying a refrigerator <laughs> or a washer and dryer. Uh-huh. Uh, well, now we stress that all the time. The energy calcs, the manual J's, manual D's, everything are so important in particularly in new construction because of our you know, energy codes and energy conservation and blower door testing. We're tightening up homes again to yeah. where we're going to create indoor problems. Right. Yeah. So talk, talk to your, uh, talk to your HVAC guy. If he's coming out and don't have, if, if what you've got now isn't working, make sure he's not putting something in like that or bigger, make sure that they're going to actually run the calculations do and the find math. out what yeah. should be in your house before they do the installation. And that guy's yeah, probably going to cost a little bit more. Is there like an HVAC association where, you, you, you know, people can look to find their an HVAC contractor? Um, um, Air Conditioning Contractors of America is one, one of the organizations that I belong to. Okay. Um, and um, National Comfort Institute. Okay. Now, National Comfort Institute are, uh, they're guys like myself that really care about energy efficiency. And have studied up on, on the best ways to design and, and build systems. And they're really, uh, National Comfort Institute does a great job of educating not only us, but our employees on how to design and, and install systems so that it's efficient uh, and uh, comfortable and healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I, I'm getting the wrap it up sign. So let's give you one last question here, John. People always want to say, well, it's already cool at night and... You know, so I'm going to run the AC during the day because that's when it's hot. And then at night, I'm just going to open the windows and I'll let that 70 degree air come in. And then I'll just close the house up in the morning and turn the AC back on because that, that's going to save me some money. You want to dispel so, that myth? It's, it's, a, it's a great myth and um, it, it's, it's the exact wrong thing to do. <laughs> uh, leave, your, leave your house buttoned up uh, unless the humidity outside goes way down, which... Typically, it's not going to do that in this right. time of year, right. um, especially if you live in Florida. And uh, so what's going to happen is, is all that, as soon as you open the windows, all that 
moisture is going to come into the house. And it takes about, I don't remember the exact amount, but it's about 10 times the amount of energy to remove humidity than it is to actually cool the air. Wow. So yeah, it's a lot. And so you're going to be, uh, you're, you're going to be healthier. Your house is going to be better and you're going to mm -hmm. spend less on energy. Excellent. So That's if awesome. you can't leave the windows open 24 hours a day and, and you're get in that, in that lower humidity range, then just leave the AC on. That, that's what you're saying. That's a good rule of thumb. Right. Okay. Yeah. We always so, try to say 50%. If it's below 50, you can open windows and doors. If it's above that, just leave it closed. Yeah, we're not going to get the house any lower. Right. Yep. So let's, let's wrap this up and say thanks to John from Effective Air. Uh, go, go ahead and okay, give us thanks, your... Thanks, John from Effective Air. <laughs> give, give us your website. <laughs> and uh, if somebody's in the local area here wants to contact you, where they can get in touch. Uh, thanks for having us having me on. It was always it's always a pleasure to be part of the show. Uh -huh. uh, our uh, uh, it's effectiveair.com, uh, and and we're in Glenview, Illinois. Uh, our phone number is 847-729-1820. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, if, if you like the the show, make sure you subscribe. Click on the bell. If you got any comments? Throw them down there. I'm sure John can answer them because Richard, Crush I won't it. be able to, but. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, John. All right. So with that, keep it square and level. Until next time. Until next time. All right. We're out of here. So how'd we do? That was pretty oh, yeah. uh, 25 minutes. Just about. That was fun. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We seem to be go? doing more long form uh, stuff here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I'm, I was like trimming here. I was like, okay, I got five, six questions for John. I'm going to stop. <laughs>